Welcome back to The New Normal, episode 20, with Mountain Minutemen leader, Mr. Robert Crooks. This is a very interesting topic and interview that we've held on to for quite a few weeks for a number of reasons. Uh, we felt that the subject matter was a little bit more sensitive than uh, earlier episodes maybe warranted. So if you're interested in this one, we are going to be talking about narcotics, trafficking, weapons, smuggling, human smuggling, and corrupt politicians. Robert was also part of the three percenters that stormed the Las Vegas governor's home. We are supported by Mammoth Fuel. Mammoth Fuel Bars were created with people like you in mind using only natural ingredients and zero artificial junk. We took no shortcuts in developing this highly functional and portable fuel bar. What are the benefits you may ask? Portable on-the-go fuel, post-workout recovery, boost cognitive function, aids in weight loss, anti-inflammatory, and low sugar. With 13 grams of protein and only 4 net carbs, Mammoth Fuel is the perfect meal, snack, and energy bar where you'd like to go. Try Mammoth Fuel at mammothfuel.com. Welcome to the new normal, where we're talking current events, finances, philosophy, preparedness, and more. My name is Sal, and with me as always is my good friend, Quentin. Each week we dive into those various topics and bring you an inspiring person or message to navigate the world with a positive mindset in this new normal. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now, here we go. Today's Taco Tuesday, so I had a margarita as well. How about you? <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm a, I, this is a this is my third sober show <laughs> that's so, a good that's a good way to promote it hey guys yeah. welcome to the new normal my name is sal and as always with me is my good friend quentin say hi to everybody quentin what's up guys we are joined today by a special guest from las vegas nevada mr robert crooks we're gonna we're gonna let him dive deep into his background, his uh, narco, what was it? Counter narco-terrorism, uh, as, as the Border Patrol has lovingly given you. So Robert, I want to thank you to the show. Thank you for coming on. Just a, a little bit of background about what the new normal is and what it means for Quentin and I. When we started this show, the new normal was kind of this, it has been for some time, this buzzword that gets used about, you know, we just got to get used to it. It's the new normal, you know, and it's usually in the context of something negative. So I've used the example in the past of the shoe bomber. And now when we go on an airplane, we have to take off our shoes. And that just became the new normal. When we started talking about COVID-19 and some of the changes that were happening in the world and, and locally, a lot of people started saying, well, this is just going to be our new normal. We're going to have to give away some rights. We're going to have to give away some things so that the safety of the, of the greater good uh, will be established. And so when Quentin and I got together and started talking about the, the new normal, it was more from a standpoint of fixing your mindset so that it was focused on the positive and focused on a way for you to navigate this quote unquote new normal so that we can actually thrive not only survive but thrive in what the world has to offer us in this again quote unquote new normal so i'm really excited to have you on the show you're you're got a wealth of information that i, I can't wait to dive into and i'll let you take it from here tell us a little bit about you robert um okay my name is robert crooks 
I'm the founder and leader of the Mountain Minutemen. Uh, we're, a, uh, we're a group that work with the United States Border Patrol on the border, trying to uh, curb the northbound flow of the invasion. Uh, been down there for the past uh, 15 years. Uh, the Border Patrol has given us the uh, nomenclature as a counter-narco-terrorist. Our organization, my organization, uh, we don't focus so much on the illegal immigrant, you know, okay, the Julio Cornfulio is looking for lettuce field in Fresno or Pedro the Picker or the agro-eco industry, you know, the, the, the day labor trip. We don't mess with it so much. Uh, we concentrate on uh, our narcotics trafficking, uh, the, uh, the uh, coyotes, the marijuana, the crystal meth, cocaine, fentanyl, the heavy narcotics across the border. And we've been working uh, uh, the desert and the Tonawatomi Indian Reservation, well, actually, um, the I-8 corridor between uh, Gila Bend and Casa Grande, Arizona, for the past uh, know, eight, nine years now, off and on between, bouncing between the, uh, the Mountain Empire, about a side of a Tecate line between San Diego and uh, uh, San Diego and El Centro area. And with that, that, those are the two most frequented, heavily trafficked areas on our southwestern border uh, between Mexico and America. And we've been concentrating on these areas pretty heavy now for the past, like, say, 15 years. We have some very high, 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 you know, the border will love us. I mean, we're not bound by the color of law. We're volunteers. We're there on our own diamond time. Uh, we've been uh, actually, um, I, our organization, the only civilian entity that is working with federal law enforcement for the past decade and a half without a glitch. We've had zero problems with, they love us. We roll in and we tell them what's happening. They tell us where to go and set up. We work hand in hand together. We're force multipliers. We, uh, like I said, we've been doing it for quite a while now. But recently, with the new uh, CB-19 and the, uh, the heavy security, uh, the wall, and uh, the military presence on the border, but from both the Mexican side and the American side, there's been an extreme cutback on the northbound flow. So what we've done is we've turned our back on the border, and we're starting to march inland. And we're working a group, uh, we're working a project we call uh, Report Deport. And what we're doing is uh, working the, the communities. If we, you know, we find the illegal immigrants that are in the, uh, we work with ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement, and we, uh, we help them uh, rid our neighborhoods of the, uh, the entrenched, entrenched, <laughs> Trying to keep this politically correct here. <laughs> I have no idea who's listening and who's going to listen to it, so oh, don't worry. I'm going to keep it clean. You know, sure. trying to clean up the neighborhoods, clean up our cities, trying to. Uh, we're not going to censor you, Robert. Pardon? We're we're not going to censor you. You can speak your mind on this show. Okay. Well, I, I just want to use my profanity. You know. <laughs> we appreciate. So that. what we've done is uh, has been working with uh, immigration custom enforcement and. Uh, other federal uh, DEA and working on uh, getting some of this shit out of the streets, you know, the stuff that's affecting our families and our kids and our grandmas and the, the crime and the, the, you know, you know, everything goes, God, you, who, who doesn't know, right? It's in every city in America. Right. And it all stems from an out of control border. 
I mean, if we had control of the border, we wouldn't have the problems in the streets. Now that we're getting some stimulants of control on the border, now we can concentrate on the other aspect, you know, clean up our neighborhoods, get in the streets, clean out a Home Depot parking lot or a Star Nursery or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Robert, what was it that uh, provoked this this passion? So you you uh, you seem like a seasoned young man, and you've been at this for quite some time. So take me back a little bit. What what got you into this this very passionate? Um, well, I wouldn't say profession because you're you're not paid. You said you're you're volunteers, but what what led you into this? Um, goes back to two thousand five. When I retired, when I first retired, uh, I was very, you know, high energy. You know, I, I couldn't just sit around. And Is this I retirement from through, law enforcement? No, I'm a com- retired commercial fisherman. Oh, okay. Out of Santa I saw Barbara, the badge in the background, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> oh, that's that's the border badge. That's our, my border badge. Nice. They don't know what it is. <laughs> you no, know, they come across the they come and you, you know, they're down, you know, they see the badge. They don't notice it. If it says, you know, out of a box of Kellogg's cornflakes, you know, to them, it's, you know, they're busted. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my border badge. It says, nice. uh, it's, uh, let's see, it says, uh, rough riders, civil recon to California. And uh, we got together about oh, 10 years ago or so. And we just decided, well, we need to put something together to kind of put a little more oomph, more fear in them. See, when they come across the line, when they, you know, let's be serious. When they come across the line, they got larceny in their heart from the giddy up. They're already scared. So what we do is we just terrify them. <laughs> you know, there's one thing being scared. We just, we, we, on the border, they call us the chupacabras. We have the chupacabra concept of border security. The on the south side, they call us the vigilantes de la línea. We're the we're the they don't want to meet. You know, they don't really be law enforcement. They run across the border patrol because we've years ago. What I did is I took an ad out in the newspaper in Tijuana. Cost me a few bucks, but I told them a story about the. The vigilantes of the vaqueros con lariat, con de perro, con shotgun, and that we were on the line, you know. And that carried that <laughs> that 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 newspaper clipping got it just went down the line. What I was doing is I was I had a quarter inch uh, bunch of quarter inch line, and I was making little nooses, and I was hanging on hanging on the going down the borderline, not hanging on trees and and the paths or trails. So when they see these. You know, and it would be automated. They're very, you know, it's superstition. You know, when these guys are coming through the bush in the middle of the night, you know, they don't want, the last thing they want is me coming out of the brush with an AR or a dog, my dog, Freckles. <laughs> yeah, Kukui. Pardon? Yeah, Kukui. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Freckles, now, Freckles, she's 15 years old now. I got her on the border. Uh, the United States border called her Free Bites. <laughs> she is actually the real hero of this whole story she is yeah a phenomenon she's a, she's 100 years old now she's oh, wow. 15 years old she's 100 but she has done some phenomenal she's got the border patrols i get on uh, christmas time i get phone calls from border patrol they just ask me how the damn dog's doing i mean what about me i just threw you as the dog because <laughs> <You know? laughs> she's got 
is just did some phenomenal, phenomenal. When uh, she was younger, she hooked up with one of the canine units. His name was Dirk, a big bloodhound named Molly. And they used to romp together. And he asked me, so let me take her with me on patrol. Uh, cool. And uh, through osmosis, she learned, you know, what, how to, what, you know, her drug of choice is crystal meth. It's <laughs> not funny, but it is. We, uh, we've made some, we've had some, uh, she's knocked out some pretty big bus. She's got some pretty big bus. Awesome. She got a plaque on the wall, the substation in San Diego, big old 24 inch brass plate. We took a hundred pounds of crystal meth out of four individuals in the brush one morning. Uh, they were, I was running the ridge. The PA was patrol agent was running on the West Ridge. And I was on the East Ridge, right? And we're doing our thing. And the dog was sweeping the valley between us. She goes off on the bottom of the valley. You know, he calls me on the radio and goes, man, your dog's tripping out down here. And I said, yeah, I hear it. He said, you come high, I'll come low. We'll see what we got. So I come in and she got floor. Two males, two females with backpacks and the brush and the rocks, right? <laughs> right behind a rocky, brushy covered area. And they're, they're screaming, you know, the dog, get the dog, get the dog. And it's Spanish, right? Each one of them had 25 pounds of pure crystal meth in their backpacks. And when the PA, the patrol agent, the following day at roll call, he said it wasn't him that actually made the apprehension. It was Freckles. All the patrol agents got together. They kicked in a buck, 50 cents, whatever. They got it as big ass 24 inch brass plate and engraved it. Freckles, USBP. And it's hanging on the wall right down there in the Oklahoma station right now. That's awesome. Right now. There's a book, there's a book written about her. Uh, I was, I've got a full length movie out. She's in the movie. Uh, one of the lady come in one day. She's, uh, I'm writing a book on working animals and I heard about your dog on the border and I want to talk to you if I could do a story on it. Uh, yeah, come on, hang on, you know. So I, Run it all down. She got this whole chapter. I don't have the book, but uh, I'll find it. Yeah, and, uh, awesome. There's a whole chapter written on her, and we could talk about freckles all night long. <laughs> I'm sure we could. So take me back. You said uh, 2005. You just retired. What got you into border patrol? I was surfing the web, and I ran across this uh, thing about Miniman Project kicking off in Tombstone, Arizona. Uh, Jim Gilchrist, uh, you know, the Miniman Project. So I got a hold of my friend, is a my one of my partners. He's the um, commander at my VFW post. I asked him, I said, Bob, you anything about this Miniman project? He goes, Ah, but it sounds like a long distance beer run. And I said, Well, you know, let me go check it out. <laughs> so I jumped on. I went down there, and uh, I tell you, I got throat hooked. It was like uh, Sally was unbelievable. The energy, the patriotism, the Americana. Uh, you can leave your gun on the dash of your truck there. It was just, you know, it was so together. And I got throat hooked. And then uh, I was out there for three, well, about three weeks with them. And I got back to my house at the time I was living in Arizona. And uh, <clears throat> I got an email. The Brown Beret are taking the flag off VFW post 2080. What are you going to do? Well, I just replied, I see you there, you know. <laughs> so, I didn't even know where it was at. I didn't really ran McNally. I look up BFW <laughs> 2080. It was in Campo, California. So I jumped on my Harley at the time. I smoked it down there. And uh, I thought we were going to, you know, beat a drum, wave a flag, and, you know, play Minuteman, right? Then we got shot at. 
and that's when things changed. We got shot at, uh, we got Border Patrol down there, and I was talking to the PA, the Border Patrol agent, Border Patrol agent, and I said, why, you know, they said, well, let me back up. When we called the Border Patrol and told them we're taking fire across the line, they said, we can't get an armored car to you immediately. I said, wait a minute. That's how naive I was, you know, just, you know, you know, I'm thinking it's all about Julio Cornfolio's looking for lettuce fields, you know. Uh, when they got the armored car there, I talked to the, this, the, the they're called BORTAC agents, Border Patrol, uh, they're like special agents. And he said, what we had done is we had interrupted narcotics transfer across the border. And they were firing warning shots at us to get us to, to leave the border, to get off the line. Uh, well, that changed things. That turned everything around. Uh, then I looked at the, I saw the, I saw, I got a, okay, I got a peek behind the curtain. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got this, I got to see the nitty gritty of what's really going on down there. You know, illegal immigration is an issue, but it just masquerades the bigger issue, which is heroin, cocaine, crystal meth, marijuana, the narcotics industry. And this particular section of the border down there is controlled by the Ariano Felix cartel. So we are doing basically we're standing toe to toe against the Ariano Felix cartel. And Border uh, Patrol came to us. They said, "Look, if you take that mountain over there, we'll support you." And uh, so me and uh, my guys, we went up that mountain. We sat it five years. I came off that. I sat on top of that mountain for three years straight, calling it out. I put a flag on top. We call it Patriot Point. They put a plaque up there. Uh, and what it was is uh, flag etiquette predicates that you can't, uh, you have to raise an lower flag every day or you have to illuminate it. Well, there ain't no electricity out in that part of the border, buddy. There ain't no water. <laughs> there ain't no electricity. There ain't 7 Elevens ain't there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, so I just uh, stayed there and I uh, was there for three years, calendared out. Calendared out three years there at Patriot Point. And uh, it had a huge impact, huge impact. The Ariano Felix cartel eventually folded, wrapped up their tents and moved down the line. We took that position, that particular section of the border and gate, because this was in America, where this mountaintop was at, is in the American side, on the American side. And they had control of it. And the thing is with Border Patrol, they work shifts. They go out, they work a four, five, six hour shift and they go back to the house, right? Then another shift comes in. Well. When we went in there, we went in 24-7, 365, and we were there to stay. And they didn't know how to handle that. I'm telling you, partner, there was some, there was some serious shit went down that first couple of years. Believe me, they were not happy. And that's cool because that made me smile. You know, you want an asshole contest? You came to the right place. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, uh, that's pretty much that. That's how they got started. And then once it started cooling out, we once once that section of the border started getting a handle on it, uh, we started, well, okay, in 2010, I pretty much walked away from it because we, you know, we'd made our mark and we did, you know, you know, five years out on the border was enough. Uh, and then Brian Terry got assassinated out in Arizona. And that kind of... Uh, that was, I was back at it. I went down there to, uh, to the, we call it the, the, the would you, uh, highway. Would you mind, uh, just for the audience, you may be unfamiliar with what happened to Brian Terry. Would you, would you just briefly go into how he was killed and, and why he was killed? 
what was going on uh, in the background that allowed him to be shot in the uh, first place? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm pretty familiar with it. Uh, Brian Terry was a Bortec agent. He's a Border Patrol. Uh, they're like uh, the Special Forces of Border Patrol. And what is going on down there is uh, they have what they call rip crews. These are these are cartel cockroaches that go out and rip off the dope smugglers. Well, what was going on was at the same time, Barack Obama and Eric Holder had been working with the uh, Sinaloa cartel and was selling them automatic weapons uh, in mass. And it was the operation called Fast and Furious. Well, Brian Terry went into a very, very, it's a very rugged, very remote. I've been there, a very dangerous part of the world. Um, and he, they, got, they, he got, they got ambushed by guns that were sold to him by our own freaking government. The guns that shot and killed Brian Terry, United States Border Patrol agent Brian Terry, were sold to him by Eric Holder. Now, so I, I, got a, I got a little upset over it. So I, I, I came back. I put my... Got back on the got back on the saddle and came back and went to work, uh, and have been involved in some very high level, very large bus and and my wife took my wife down there. So and we, there's a I've got a couple of movies. Out. Well, if you go to my my website um, www there's a Fox special there. There's a Travel Channel special there, um, where it you know, you can actually see the train and, and it's, you know, it's pretty good, just very descriptive of what was going on down there. And that's Veckel Valley area, which is the area between Gila Bend and Casa Grande. And I'm telling you, partner, if God was going to give the earth an enema, that's where he'd stick the tube. That place is nothing but rough country. I'm serious, man. There's four things about that part of the world you got to remember. Four things. It'll burn you bite you, stick you, or shoot you, because it's right dead in the heart of the Sonora Desert. And it's August, and it's hot. I'm not talking about hot like hot. I mean, 90, at nighttime, midnight's still 100, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's brutal country. But the uh, the cartel had free reign there. They had free reign. They'd roll in the Tono Odominion Reservation, which can be exempt from federal law enforcement because it's a sovereign nation. So once the Sinaloa cartel took control of the Tono Odom Indian Res, they could bring the dope right up into the reservation and break it down for distribution. Well, the very upper end of the Tono Odom is only five miles to the interstate system. So what we did is we set up on the only pave, well, not pave, the only road access to the interstate. And we took away their great, they took away their, they took away their, their little avenue of revenue, right? We forced them off into the rough country, into the brush, and they didn't dig it. They didn't dig it. And uh, we stayed down there for <laughs> six, seven years solid. I mean, on right on the 8009. It's called, it's a BLM market. It's called the 8009. It's where the road goes, the dirt road goes all the way to the head of the Tone Odom Indian Reservation. And that's where they run the drove. They throw in the back of the stolen pickup trucks and smoke it right straight up. Once it hit the interstate, poof, they're gone. And what they were doing is they bring the dope up in the trucks and stage it on rest and mile markers on the interstate. And then they, they had a connection with the semi trucks out of the truck stop down at El Cajon or no, in Gila Bend. 
and they get on the radio and the truck drivers who are connected with the cartel, they'd pull over and they load the dope into semi trucks and shit next to some Missouri, Alabama, Harlem. I mean, fuck it. I mean, it's coming, you know what I mean? And this once we figured out the 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 the, the dynamics, right, of how the dope was being moved, then we became a lethal force. <laughs> then we became the most hated creatures on the planet. <laughs> so let me so ask you. Go yes. ahead, Tom. I was just going to say more so than the Border Patrol itself. <laughs> say again? More so than the, uh, the Border Patrol itself. Oh, yeah, I got these guys every day busted by the Border Patrol than us. Wow. Seriously. We get on their ass. We chase them. We don't, we don't back off. They go running through the brush. We're on their butt. You know what I mean? Sometimes the border patrol are running for a while and they get away, but we don't. And I got them on the phone. I'm on the phone. I'm either on my quad or I'm hoof, and I track them down. I chase one all the way to, uh, uh, what's that town out there in Missouri? I heard about Crystal. this. Uh, yeah, I actually, I actually heard that you, you tracked somebody from the border all the way to the Midwest. I, I heard yeah, that I through the grapevine. Yeah, it's true. I got to my motorcycle. I got to my, once I got on my scooter, he was mine. I owned him. <laughs> I just let him roll. And I'm calling, I'm calling in, calling in, calling in. And uh, I just followed. I just tracked dog their trail. Did you get him before him. he made his drop? We got him loaded in Missouri. They set up, they staged him. Try to remember that town. Remember that town we got him at. Right across the bridge. We just, because they were waiting on the other side. The other side of the bridge there, and they got him. It was a uh, Missouri. So, uh, let's uh, yeah. let's fast forward a little bit to what you've been doing in the last ten days, and uh, 10 let's days? talk about that. Yeah, what what? Tell us what's going on in Nevada, and you know the, the whole country was made aware of of uh, what had been going on with the governor there, and you know y'all basically ended up showing up to the governor's mansion and and, and walk us through that. Yeah. So, how did that get organized? What was the, what was the spark that you know set it all off? And and you know what 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 did y'all set out to accomplish? And what did y'all accomplish? Well, uh, we back, got him to back down. He backed out. He opened up to give us gave us phase one, which is start, which is a tease. This is a yo-yo, dude. What we're looking at is this is a confederation between Washington State, Oregon State, California, Nevada. These are three, four blue. We're calling the blue block. What so they give, do, give the audience some background of what had transpired to to get y'all agitated in the first place. So what was oh, going on? He shut us down. This is Las Vegas, Nevada. This is the most the entertainment capital of the world. Yeah. And now the casinos are locked down. I mean, seriously, the grocery stores are running out of food. Uh, Unemployment right now in Las Vegas, Nevada, there's 390,000 people in Las Vegas, Nevada, unemployed. Wow. So over 10% of the population easily. Over the 10%, yes. 10, there's 33 million unemployed in America right now, which is possibly approximately 10% of the entire population of the it's nation. 15% now. It's 14.7 four, yeah. is the latest report. Yeah. Yep. I, and I've heard and it, it could be that, as high as 33% because of the way they report is a little misleading to begin with. Yeah, either either way, the numbers are vast, way beyond. Okay, in Las Vegas, Nevada, if you ain't working in a casino 
or in the gaming commission industry or entertainment or any connection to it, you're not working. Okay. There's a lot of people in this town right now that are upset. And I mean, when I'm being polite when I say that. All right. So we started going, hooking up with the rallies, you know, the open, the recall Sisolak started it. Recall Sisolak, get him out of here. Now it's, now it's back to work. And now it's, now it's, it's, it's getting, we marched on a, the mansion last weekend. I mean, you know, that's serious. You know, when he goes, he's, he's looking for, he's loading in his limos to go out the back door. His, his panties were such a wad that, I mean, you know, when you got 500 people's knock standing out front of that the mansion, you know, I'd be a little riled too. You know what I mean? He said he was worried about his wife. Come on. You so know, walk us, I mean? walk us through that day and, and tell us how everyone arrived. How was it that y'all organized that and, and give us kind of a play by play of that day and, and how y'all ended up uh, going through that process. Okay. Um, it started, uh, somebody said, let's go to Carson city uh, about a week before. And then one of the, uh, the 3% organization people here, one of my friends, um, said, well, listen, we're going to convoy out of here Saturday morning at 4 a.m. I said, right on, let's rock and roll. We hooked up with them. We convoyed five cars deep um, straight, to, straight to Carson City from Las Vegas. Um, we met, parked when the rally hit the streets. Um, and then somewhere during the process of the, the street rally, uh, somebody's lives at the mansion, and that's what happened. And we got, there, there was a lot of. <laughs> so once y'all arrived at the mansion, describe that scene for me. Uh, who, who met you there? You know, not just the groups that you were with, but as, you know, an opposing force, who was that? You know, I shouldn't call them an opposing force because it's probably law enforcement, but describe the situation with law enforcement and how they met you. Capitol Police and Nevada Highway Patrol. That was the, 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 the respondents. Describe their um, presence there for me, if you don't mind. Uh, I'll be honest with you. They were scared. They're all packing in for us, full, full tack gear. Uh, but you could tell there was, uh, they were nervous. They didn't know what we were going to do. What was the relationship like between the protesters and the law enforcement guarding the governor's mansion? Did y'all have pleasant interactions? Was it tense? Yeah, yeah. Actually, one of the cops gave one of the boys water. You know, so a pretty pleasant interaction. So yeah, overall, you know, it was, it was a protest. You know, right? And uh, Nevada, you know, Nevada's open carry. You know, oh, yeah. we got we got gun rights here. You know, you pack. You know, I do, and we all did. Y'all so have better like, gun laws than we have in Texas. Pardon me. Y'all have better gun laws than we do here in Texas, or more yeah, open. I wish yeah. it was open carry across the nation. An armed society is a polite society. If everybody knew everybody was packing, the crime rate would drop tremendously. You think you're going to go mug somebody if you knew that little lady had a 38 in her purse? No. Or a 32 <laughs> auto. You know what I mean? You know? I do. But as far as the, the, far as, as the interaction with the law enforcement was, you know, was smooth. It was, it was cordial. You know? The, the point was made. The point was made. When there, when he's, when, when, when Steve Sisolak is trying to hustle a ride out of the back of the mansion, that tells a story. You know what I mean? And he was trying to get a ride. He was, he was trying to get out of there. That, so he was, he was very intimidated. And the following week, 
they dropped immediately we're down to phase one what they don't realize is <laughs> being peaceful is one thing but they continue at the trail they're going at their path that they've chosen this peaceful thing is going to come to a screeching halt real fast and what these politicians don't realize and not just here in nevada okay this is across the nation the people in america are pissed america's on fire right now there were 30 militia at sacramento state capitol building last weekend right okay the militia's moving in illinois protected a 77 year old barber okay and i can tell you other militia movements going across even in texas where you're at the militias are coalescing they're coming together they're coming together what you're going to see if they continue these these tyrannical politicians that are pushing this bullshit. half the problem we got on the board is the corruption in washington dc there are so many goddamn so many damn people in Washington that are directly in the cartel's pockets to keep the borders open because they're getting kicked back from the revenue. It's either going through a lobbyist in their campaign or whatever, but they fight to keep the border open. Diane Feinstein, Nancy Pelosi, these people are so dirty. Don't, don't get me started. <laughs> I want to read your you know, headline and, and see what you, you react to this. So you're talking about politicians being in, in, you know, through lobbies or, or through some yeah, other means they, being they financially responsible. They so here's, here's a here's a headline from West Hawaii today. This is published May 12th. Cartels are scrambling virus snarls global drug trade. So this is a this is a reprint from uh, I believe it's a Associated Press. So coronavirus is dealing a gut punch to the illegal drug trade, paralyzing economies. <laughs> closing borders and severing supply chains in China that traffickers rely on for the chemicals that make the, so much profitable drugs as methamphetamine and fentanyl. So what is your reaction to this? So you, you talked about how you've turned your back on the border right now because of the drug trade is, is at a standstill for the most part, or at least the, the Northern crossing in, into the, into the States is kind of at a standstill. It's coming. But it's coming through the ports of entries right now in okay. semis. Okay. The ground traffic is pretty much laid down because there's so much surveillance going on. We got drones working the line right now. Okay. Not only is our president, Donald Trump, in tune with what's the border problem, he's also in tune with what's going on in South America. Venezuela, China, Russia. Uh, we got some big issues, political issues developing down south, down south, south. So we need to secure our border. That's why he made that deal with Mexico about putting Mexico putting their troops online as a buffer. Okay, we are going to be our soft. If I was a general, if I was commander of a military, and I wanted to attack a nation, I would find their weakest points. That'd be the logical move. Well, our our the soft underbelly of our country is the weakest spot. I could take you across the border now and you never see a border patrol agent or a Mexican uh, military. There's so many places that are so remote, you know, but they're, they're gradually coming, they're gradually getting locked down. 
But as far as the, the heavy the heavy cross border traffic, like we've been dealing with over the past decade, is pretty much diminished. And most of the heavy narcotics have come through semi trucks and trailers to the ports of entries. To answer your question. So you're focusing more of your, right. your efforts inland, and and what what led you into the governor's mansion? You know, we're seeing things like the these events happening. You mentioned Michigan. The Michigan governor was was talking about uh, you know they were yelling at me from the rafters. They were yelling at me from the uh, from the balcony, and you had these militia types who were who were in in full battle rattle with their ARs and whatnot. And one of the comments that I thought was was very funny was, well, the governor is now experiencing the First and Second Amendment right to her face. Exactly. Exactly. Either you get behind us or get the hell out of our way. So how do you see this? How do you see this coming to a head as things become relatively normal, as things start to die down? Do you do you see a second wave? Do you see uh, an, another influx, a boiling point, a flashpoint yeah, that we've been talking about on the show? My, here's my here's my theory. Here's my theory. All right, expect severe retaliation. An injured animal is dangerous. Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, George Soros, and that whole dirty cabal. He's got Barack Obama's up against the wall right now. now he's 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 in panic mode. All Are right? you referring to the Michael Flynn indictments? I'm talking I'm talking about the exposure of 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 uh, Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, right. um, the Stormy Daniels impeach, impeach, impeach. Uh, boom! Now it's Corona. You think this coronavirus is something that just this was a first strike from the Chinese ICOM government? Nancy Pelosi was over there six days before the six days after the impeachment failure. Anybody ask her what she's doing in, in Wuhan? Nobody even knows. What Nancy Pelosi, what were you doing in Wuhan? Okay, here's another big fat question for you. I'll be honest with you, I've been on top of this story from day one and I had no idea. I mean, I have tomes of research that I've done on this this situation. I had no idea Nancy Pelosi was in Wuhan. Yeah. Six days after the where, where, six did you, after, where did you find that out? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I've got. Could you could you send that to me? Because that's something I, I would like to talk about. Yeah, that that's exactly what happened. And here's another thing too to think about. Today, Fauci was in front of the Senate or the House of Representatives doing their thing, right? How come? How come? How come none of our fine representatives up there asked him how come that he donated three point seven million dollars to Wuhan? Uh, how come HHI sent $3.7 billion of our money to Wuhan? And Fauci's in his ass on that. But that's another story. No, this is a first type. When Trump hit him with the tariffs, I mean, this is, you know, there's so much thing. And then the impeachment thing fell apart. And, and the Russian thing fell apart. Ukraine fell apart. Stormy Daniels fell apart. The New World Order globalists are and panic mode expect something major to happen before november election whether it's going to be another another covis of our bio attack could be another bio attack but we're thinking it's going to be something bigger we're thinking maybe thermonuclear or something on that mm -hmm. level so even bill gates has been quoted in a recent interview he was on late night talk show and they asked him what 
you think is is the next thing that's going to happen uh the the show the show host was asking him well five years ago you gave a ted talk and you were warning us about you know a pandemic a pandemic was going to be something that could cripple the economy that could cripple the, the global uh economic structure and so the show host asked him since we're listening to you now what should we be on the lookout for in the future and he said, I think the next thing that we should be aware of is, is a bio attack. So it's interesting that you would mention that, you know, potential bio attack. And um, Quentin and I have talked about in the past that right now would just be the most opportune time for any potential local or otherwise um, enemy to, to hurt the United States at, at a very vulnerable uh, time in, in our economy and, and just in our infrastructure. I agree. We're our weakest point right now. This they they, they did this they, in thirty days. Thirty days they they kicked the shit out of us. You know I hate to say it, but they got us thirty days worth. They in thirty days the food supply. Look what they're doing to the food supply. I went to Costco. I went to Sam's Club today. I had to stand in line. This is America. I had to stand in line. Right. Get toilet paper. Bread lines for for the Americans is something that has not been seen for for quite ever. some time, if ever. Yeah, we were talking about the Weimar Republic just the other day, and and you know buckets and and wheelbarrows of cash just to get uh, bread. Yeah. And and now we're at a point, and we've said this quite a few times on the show now that we went from the strongest economy to in three weeks just completely decimated, and and bread lines, whether they're literal or, or figuratively through Costco. We're, we're, we're facing an interesting situation. Food prices have increased almost 5% in just one week. Oh, my wife, we're just talking about this. Uh, my wife's Mexican, right? So we eat a lot of cheese. You know, everything's, you know, Mexican. Well, a block of cheese, we we're buying two for $5 two weeks ago. We're paying seven bucks a block now. And that's just in two weeks. In two weeks. And milk yeah. was now five bucks a half a gallon. Our meat, well, we got freezers, but our meat's gone. You know, we, we stock up pretty heavy on meat, but even the price of beef's gone. And and, and another month, you aren't able to get it. You Meanwhile, know? we're exporting vast quantities of food to China, and they may they may be the ones responsible for this whole mess. Uh, well, the China and China, democratic the the commies, democratic communists. You know, I'm 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 a I'm I believe that they're. The Democrats in America today are nothing but communist socialists, and they're, and I believe that they're in bed with Diane Feinstein's chauffeur for twenty years was a freaking China spy, bro. Yep. Come on. Yep. Nobody talks about that crap. Nope. You know what I mean? This is Diane Feinstein. And that's true. I encourage the audience to go look into that. And and she the, the the committees that she sat in on and the information that that driver could have potentially been exposed to is. Uh, who said he? Who said critical, he critical information, very sensitive at the least. Who said he didn't bug her purse or put a something listening device in which she? I mean, there's so many, you know. Oh, I mean, I have no doubt that he did. I mean, it, you, you don't, you, as a spy, you don't get a job like that for no reason, right? And what it's not like he had a day job spying on, you know, Silicon Valley. You know, he was he he, he was spying on a senator. So, I mean, I, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure he did. What if, what if she's involved? I mean, think of that, that. Look at the other side of the coin. What if she's actually involved with it? And that wouldn't surprise me either. You know what I mean? I mean, yes, you know, it's 
pretty heavy calling her a senator. Well, I, I, you know, I, well, no, I mean, I think that she had been notified by the State Department years prior that he was potentially a, a foreign asset and, and it was ignored. And don't quote me on that, but I, I think I remember reading that and that was confirmed that she had been notified by either state or uh, the DOD that he was a Chinese asset and uh, no action was ever taken. So, I mean, that kind of speaks for itself. So this corruption we're talking about, it goes straight to D.C. and deeper. I mean, this is border problem we have. I can give you direct links to Beto and the cocaine through Texas into, I mean, you know, bro, you guys live there. You know, and he, he, Beto's deeply involved with the cocaine cowboys down there. Hmm. I, I've never heard that. I've never heard that before. Um, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but if you would, uh, off the show, if you could send me some of that information, I would really like that. information on that. Definite. I got sure. that for the border. I got that from the border patrol. Yeah, that would be, that would be great if I could see some of that, because if he rears his head in Texas politics again, I would like to expose that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of shit, a lot of, okay. A lot of stuff out that, that, you know, I can't talk about, but you know what I mean? There's a lot of shit in the air right now. Lot, right now, there's a lot going on in America right now. A lot going on right now. There's a lot of confusion going on, too. I mean, you you yeah. almost want to... You look at I, some... You know, my slogan is... I, this is what I've been telling everybody, all my partners, everybody. You got to invest in metal, precious metal right now. Gold, silver, and lead. I knew that it would be the third one. <laughs> <laughs> gold silver and lead right now buy guns buy ammo this is not going away peacefully these cockroaches think they got their their blood thirst out for blood now newsom just extended the close down in la county until august well what's scary is if they're not out for blood it's obvious that our so-called friends are because as soon as we started having financial issues, our wonderful trade partners in the Saudi royal family, they decided to absolutely gut our oil economy. And, and you have these sort of things happening where, you know, our, our, our trade partners and allies in India, they decided when this happened that they weren't going to send us much medicine. Yeah, right. So everyone smells blood in the water at this point. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it, you know, I've said in, in past episodes that we may be in the looting stage of society. And I think me and Sal should probably do an episode on that in the future. But if that is the case, then any chance somebody gets to take advantage of this crisis, they're going to because they don't see any sure. future. Sure. They, they don't see any future for America as it was, so they're just going to loot, and everybody's everybody's in on it at this point. Well, like your this your this the name of your so new normal. I was thinking about that. You know, we're going to achieve a new norm normal. We're going to be going into a barter system, capitalistic barter system, because it's going to be a situation here pretty soon where it's what you got, and I got. We can swap to make what we need happen. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a connection. We're going to see a um, um, an increased brotherhood of like-minded individuals. You're already happening. starting to see that with ranchers who are selling yeah. their, their milk wholesale to consumers. I mean, lines for miles where they're selling their milk and ranchers who couldn't sell their beef are now starting to sell locally. So for yes, for, for us, definitely that new normal is, is definitely a mindset shift to changing and adapting and coming out of this with with a positive attitude and not necessarily dwelling on oh no they're taking away our civil liberties you know there there are certainly things that we need to be aware of there are certainly things that we should be very attuned to that's happening in the news and within politics and geopolitics 
But if you just take a look at it locally, and, and again, anecdotally, when I take a look at my, my surroundings, my, my red state, small rural community, not much has changed. You know, for the most part, it's been relatively inconvenient to go out, but not much has changed. And, and I know I can't speak for, for everyone in, in America that's experiencing this, but you well, start looking at Vegas, the Nevada, we went through, in, in, in a matter of 24 hours, we were two weeks, we went through a complete metamorphosis. Wow. This Talk to me about that. Down. And I can, I can attest to that because all of my friends and business contacts in Las Vegas are just beside themselves at this point. It's absolutely devastated the economy there. In Texas, we're we're very insulated, especially from an agricultural perspective, because we do produce a lot of. We don't food. have industry. Yeah, we don't exactly. Have we have nothing. Nothing. Yeah. We're at we are at the whim of the politicals that that we elected, hopefully, to lead us out. You know, take care of us. We got a politician up there that's a piece of shit. He just bought a ten million dollar airplane. Two of them. You know, we got people on food lines down here, and he's flying around a brand new plane. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? Now they're talking about what they're going to do is they're going to try and, okay, and my theory is that this this, gover- this government, this, this cabal that's developed is working in, in, in collusion with the, the big money casinos to break the unions. They want to break that's, the culinary. They want that's, to break that's the- Cecil Axel MO, right? I mean, uh, he, uh, it, it, I, I encourage the, it, the the audience to look into it's Stephen Sisolak, right? I'm just going off the top of my head. His first name is Stephen. Steve Sisolak, yeah. Sis- yeah, Sisolak. yeah. So people should look into him and his background and how he made his money. He's from, he's from um, Wisconsin. Yeah. He came Go out ahead. Sorry, I, I derailed you. But talk about the union busting and breaking up the industry. Well, yeah. Well, it's this is all about uh, this. What's happening in Las Vegas, Nevada, is a corporate takeover. The the the. Casinos, like a friend asked me, why aren't the casinos screaming? Why aren't this? Why aren't the casinos screaming for lack of revenue? No play, no money, because the casinos are in on it. The casino management, the corporates, corporations in in Las Vegas, Nevada, are in bed with Sisolak and the deep state cabal that's trying to take away the election in 2020. So what, what you're saying, just to clarify, is you believe that the the government and the casinos are in cahoots, basically, to cripple the unions and uh, destroy the ability for the average Las Vegas uh, worker. casino worker to collectively bargain the casino yep. to make them desperate for employment. Yeah, and then, okay. and, then, and as a side result, we're losing all our small casinos, like all our Dotties and all our our our, our little local bars that we always frequent. Hey, it's a hundred freaking degrees here, man. I can't even go to a bar and have a beer in the afternoon because they're all closed. And you think that don't affect the people in the residents of Las Vegas, Nevada? We like our alcohol. <laughs> we drink beer. And, you know, there's a lot of pissed off people that are not getting their issue. They're going to tire of drinking in their garage. They're going to tire of getting drinking in the backyard. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't interact with your neighbors. And the frustration well, it's so hot and swamp coolers aren't even working in Las Vegas anymore because the humidity wow. levels changed because of the, the casinos. Starts, if MVG starts going after the power, which I think is going to happen, then the, they want civil unrest. Why do you think Gizmo down there in California just shut down Los Angeles until August? Remember Watts riots? Do you remember the Watts riots in Watts? 
I, I know about them. I was not. Oh, you're talking about the the L.A. riots. I I do yeah, remember LA that. Riots. That was Rodney King before that was Watts. Yeah, I, I do remember the L.A. riots. Tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something. You think Watts riots and the Rodney King issue was something? You wait till them guys go off down there. You think Beverly Hills is gonna be safe? You think Wilshire's gonna be safe? Rodeo Drive is gonna be safe when they start marching to the beach? Were you in Santa Barbara at the time of the L.A. riots? No, I, was, I had another thing going at the time. I was driving truck cross country. But okay. I have, I, you know, I've, I've, I've always kept my eye on the political waves of what's happening in my country. This is my country. I'm directly responsible for the things that happen in this country. Because if I don't pay attention to what's going on, I'm, then I'm, it's my own fault. See what I mean? You have to know what's going on. You got to keep your thumb on the pulse. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, this whole situation could definitely cause social unrest. I mean, oh, we, yeah. we could see something like the LA riots again. And, 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 I don't know exactly what would set it off, but there's a plethora of things right now happening that could, you know, any one of them could be the flashpoint. Exactly. That's exactly right. There's a plethora of things that's a flashpoint. Something's going to break. It's right. going to be like an issue out there with a 77 year old barber and the militia protects his, his business. Or it's going to be, who knows? It's going to be, and when it's going to happen, it's going to be. Or Trump. Trump could just get on his little Twitter machine and say, tweet, and it'd be on. Well, he's already talked about liberating. I mean, using that language specifically, liberating states. And we, we talked about this in a couple episodes. We talked about this in a couple episodes. He didn't put him down. No. Hear me? He didn't put him down. He was for him. It was a hell of a signal across the nation. That was a hell of a message he put across the nation. Instead of a left-wing progressive would have denounced them, you know, put them down for carrying firearms in the Capitol and speak in their mind, expressing their first and second amendment. But Donald Trump didn't. And that was very encouraging. Yeah. And not only that, but that has been an encouragement across the nation. I mean, it's not just me or us that are looking at that. See what I'm saying? There's 63 million of us here. Do you know why uh, Yamamoto wouldn't invade America? Mm -mm. Tell us. Tell the audience. Yamamoto would invade America, America back in the 1940s when during World War II is because he knew that there would be a rifle behind every blade of grass. Think about that. Yeah. We, as a civilian society, are the most armed society in the nation the civilian structure in america right now has more guns than the united states freaking army guys so robert we if there's a flashpoint if there's a flashpoint that causes some sort of civil unrest it, it, to what end is does that cause the the left to say see this is why we need to take away people's guns is is this where you think that would be headed if you look at the percentage of who's saying that and who's actually doing it, it's minimal. Hmm. It's a small voice. I mean, they talk about coming guns. They talk about taking guns. Virginia is going to be a flashpoint, I think. I think if it's going to start rocking, it's going to start in Virginia. Okay, California is going to kick off the, the, the heavy isolation, the heavy uh, uh, quarantining or stay in place. That'll echo up the coast to Washington, Oregon, Oregon, Washington. Then bleed off in the states. 
then eventually it over in, North, in, in, the, in the New York and East Coast, because California kicks and starts it mostly. And then it's going to find its way to Virginia. And they're already, the boys in Virginia. I think Virginia already, already said that they, they're not, I, I, I would have to pull up the article, but for, I, I got an update today. I don't think Virginia, there's a plan to lift the lockdown, but I, I don't want to say that's 100% accurate. It's the Second Amendment issue. But they're, they're one of the few states that are not lifting the lockdown restrictions. There, it's the Second Amendment issue in, in Virginia. It's, it's that, that, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now, Penn. Uh, the governor. Uh, what's, the, what's the governor of Virginia's name? I forgot his name. I can't remember. The, the Soros I, governor. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's that's the, you know, he's the one that's pushing all this new Second Amendment bullshit. Ralph Northam. There you yeah, go. that's it. And he's the one pushing this, okay? I mean, you could take so many rights from so many people for so long. How many people? It ain't no fun when the rabbit's got the gun. Okay? You can push and push and push, <laughs> but when you start getting pushed back, the whole dynamics change. We went to the mansion, and the following week, we've got phase one. Hmm. We go back to the mansion again. It might be with tar pots and feathers. <laughs> no. That's how pissed off we are down here. Yeah. And this, this is a hot country. I, I, I got. I immediately had an image of that in my head. <laughs> yeah, I'm not joking, man. I've been talking to a lot of people. There was a meme that was going around a couple of days ago that said that some of these legislators, some of these government officials, have forgotten what tar and feather means, and it had <laughs> yeah. it kind of had that. the old school 1800 drawing of, of a tar and feather poster. Robert, yeah. talk to me about the potential. So, the the, the president has essentially raised his hands and said it's it's up to the governors it's up to local municipalities the federal government is here to help if you need it do you see a potential for some sort of 50 divided states of america what do you see happening in some sort of regional um division of of these different states do you ever see us going down that route where Texas becomes a part of this coalition of Texas, Oklahoma, what's, Missouri. What's, going on, what's happening right now is there are 26 states in the nation that are red. And there are 24 in the nation that are blue. And what we're looking at is the division of another civil war. But it's not going to be a civil war like, you know, north and south. It's going to be Democrats against patriots. Okay. And my theory is this. Trump's not going to do nothing until after the re-election. After November 2020, you're going to see some changes. Like what? Once he's re-elected, he ain't going to have to worry about getting re-elected. Hmm. And I think, oh, 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 Barry boy, Bathhouse Barry going to be down in Gitmo. And I think, oh, Hillary be sitting next to him. And I think once the gloves come off after he's re-elected in November, you're going to see a whole new change of things. And I, you could take that. You heard it here first. As long as we that he's got that election hanging over his head, he's got to dance that rope. And once he gets reelected, he don't have to worry about being reelected. Then he can turn loose and bring hell on Scunion on him. And that's my 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 theory. So he's, he's been letting them tie their own rope. Yeah, yeah. Make them tie their own rope. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Learn to tie a knot. <laughs> well, I mean, they'll, they'll hang themselves with all of these, you know, false accusations and the Russia, uh, Russia dossier and just scandal after like scandal after scandal. 
like to see Trump just go in and unilaterally create a temporary martial law and uh, send the Marines out and are the Border Patrol Vortac and start federal federal marshals and start rounding up these corrupt politicians mm-hmm. and the list is huge. Hey, Abraham Lincoln did it. How many people did Abraham Lincoln hang? And what about the prison barges in, 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 in uh, New York Harbor? That was all Abraham Lincoln. You know Do you think I mean? Americans could handle that? We are supported by Aerial Digital. Aerial Digital is a full-service digital marketing agency that specializes in custom-designed websites for small to medium-sized businesses. Whether you need a simple one-page bootstrap website or you're ready to start selling your products online with an e-commerce website, Aerial Digital is equipped to help your business. Go to aerialdigitalmarketing.com slash normal. That's A-R-I-E-L digitalmarketing.com slash new normal and save 20% on your custom website today. Yeah, I do. I think, I think what's, I think there's been a dumbing down in the society I have, but I think in the, in the heart of hearts, I think once the people start, some more of these food lines and some more of this, you know, the, 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 you know, it's going to take, you know, it'll change people's heart. When they go down there and buy a bag of potatoes, there ain't no potatoes, right? So right now we have this very Gestapo mindset that's happening in America where neighbors are turning on neighbors. Do you, do yeah. you, that's crazy. That, I just saw a going on in Las Vegas right now. Just saw an article today about it today here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. I you mean, know, people are turning on their, on their neighbors for not going out without, without a mask. You know, you've got some states that are allegedly not allowing people to drive in a car with more than one person. So now right. neighbors are turning on neighbors for that. So how do you what kind of message do you give those type of individuals who are who are being driven by this fear? You know, whether you're hair on fire or flu bro, as as Quentin likes to say, right. Right. you know, yeah. how do you how do you get through someone who is so adamantly frozen by this fear? And, and encourage them to get through this in, in, in a, such a way that they can come out of this more prosperous than they went into it. Well, what a friend of mine said, and I think I can relate best, he says, uh, used to be snitches got stitches, but now snitches get ditches. You know what I mean? And that's where it's going. I got a feeling. You know, especially, okay, like here in Las Vegas, for example, you know, we're 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 old west we're you know we're you know we're we're redneck we're country you know what mm-hmm. i mean no we are man you know we we're battle born but you know we live in 100 degree heat and we love it think about that right you know, if it ain't 100 degrees out there i ain't happy right and we're and, and we're different it's like i tried to explain to these bozos before this cv19 right they don't understand this is las vegas nevada We've been dealing with millions and millions and millions of tourists every year, every other week. I mean, we've been, we got, we're dealing cars, we're, we're, we're throwing dice, we're drinking drinks, we're hitting flushing toilets, we're sleeping in beds, we're doing rental cars, we're touching, touching, touching germs pass here. Las Vegas has probably got the highest immune system in the world. Yeah, and you're telling people to stay indoors now. People come here and they get sick. You know what I mean? 
you know, because that's, that's, that's the nature of the beast here. This is the Wild West, you know. So these guys that keep, you know, sniveling about what other people are doing because they're in security. This is possibly why Sislak got elected in the first place. We've been Californicated. The, the corrupt democratic regime that's destroyed California has forced people out of the state. The problem is that people that have moved into Las Vegas, Nevada, or in Southern Nevada, Clark County, have brought this California mentality with them. And they're trying to change, changes from red to blue. Well, it's not happening. Let me tell you something, my friend. Out of the 98,000, 96,000 color union workers are out of strike, they're out of, out of work right now, they're going to be gone in 30 days. Dieter, Department of Education, the unemployment office can't even get their checks to them. These people are dying on the vine here. They can't make their car payments, can't their rents. They got kids to feed and they got no money. They're going to leave in groves. And most of this is the bulk the SEIU, the Color Union, um, some Teamster units. This is the bulk of the Democratic voting bloc in Clark County, Nevada. And they're going to evaporate. If they got that tit to suck on, and that's what it is. These culinary unions and these 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 hotel casinos. I tend barn to casinos, brother. I have a, I'm a union card card holder, and I've seen how they are. They don't work. They clap a kids o'clock and they go find some place to camp out for eight hours, sucking that tit. I've seen it. Don't I've seen? It. I've seen it. And once once the culinary is shut down and it dissolves, and what's what's happening here? They're gonna be like like dust in the wind. Just like an old dry turn and desert road, poof, right. blow away. And they're going to be in Louisiana, they're going to be in Alabama, they're going to be in Texas, they're going to be other someplace other than Las Vegas, Nevada. Hey, if you ain't got no do re me in this town, you ain't got to be here. You ain't going to be here. If you can't afford to pay the electricity bill, keep your rent, you're gone. There's no, there's no intermediate here. You know, this is not a nice place. I mean, you know, sounds all great, Las. But it's a hardcore town. It's a, it's a tough town. This is a tough, tough town. You know, there's no trees to hang on their grassy lawns to play in. You know what I mean? There's no job you can do at a gas station or go pick some lawn or do something. It's just not here. And once the harsh reality of this economy crunch starts hitting Las Vegas, Nevada hard, it hasn't hit yet. Once it hits, this place is going to dry up. Friend of mine said today we're looking at the future Detroit, and he's right. Mm. When the windows it's very start possible. Running. So uh, I, I actually, you know, even even if they're even if the restrictions, you know, lift overnight, you're looking at people who have changed their their habits and changed their travel habits. They've changed their purchasing habits. They've changed their interactions with folks, and I just don't see for a while droves of people flocking to Las Vegas to go gamble or to or see a show. I, I don't see that happening in the future. It's over. It's the new normal. Now they're putting petitions up between your gambling stations. Yeah, I, I saw that actually. Poker machine without, can't smoke. You believe that? Going to a freaking casino in Las Vegas, Nevada, you can't have a cigarette. Can't drink at a bar. What? It's over. It's over, bro. It's over. It's the new normal. Like you say, the new normal. And it's sad because I remember I I graduated I graduated Western High School in 1968. My dad owned a bar down here for 30 years, Hobnob Lounge on Highland Boulevard. I got my degree at UNLV slinging liquor in my old man's bar. 
when this town, back when a hundred dollar bill and a handshake meant something, it was a cool town. I'd love to see the mob come back and take it back over. That'd be the solution. Hey, I'll tell you what, 20 years ago, <laughs> we would be dealing with this problem we're dealing with today. 20 years ago, if the mob still run the town, Sislak wouldn't even be, he'd be up in some shadowy spot in the desert somewhere. <laughs> Guaranteed, out, out Lake Mead, can't fish it. You know, I mean, that's, and that's the seriousness of it. From Bugsy Siegel in the days that this, this made this place happen, like I said, my dad owned a bar here for 30 years. I can tell you the ins and outs of how that shit works. You know what I mean? If you don't pay the VIG, you don't work. When I'm talking about the VIG, you had to pay to keep the liquor store, keep your liquor license up, to keep doors open so you could work, so you could generate. You know what I mean? I mean, that's how it was in them days. Yeah. You know, the gaming commission in them days, you had to buy into. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I'm going to give you started on that shit. You know what I mean? What are you, what are you currently doing, or, or how do you locally organize your preparedness from your food supply to your water to your just you know your your three precious metals what are you guys doing for preparedness out there how do you how do you teach people how how are you getting them encouraged to be prepared for what's happening in this economic uh, potential been, collapse we've been, we, okay i'm 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 instrumentally involved in the 3% organization here in nevada which which is um, Sure, you're aware what three percenters are. We're uh, and we're uh, we're pretty strong. Uh, we had a meeting Saturday. We got one Sunday. Um, as far as me personally, uh, I'm I come from the I come from an area of, of survival. You know, is, is is paramount. You know, out there in the desert, you don't got nobody taking care. You take care of yourself, right? So I got freezers. I just taught myself how to bake bread over the weekend. The first time I'd done that. Uh, no, it's true. It really actually came out pretty good. I was surprised. I saw your pictures. Yeah, it looked good. Yeah, yeah. we got bread here. It's delicious. Very first time. But see, now we're in survival mode. Okay. My garden, I got a garden going. Uh, uh, if I had it, if I, I live, I live, I live in a three bedroom two-car garage in a gated community in Las Vegas, Nevada. You know, it's a half a million dollar home. But, you know, without paying the mortgage, it ain't nothing. You know what I mean? And that's what's going to be happening. So to answer your question, I'm trying to get people to be more self-sufficient. Self, self you know, buy gas. Uh, don't travel as much. Buy spare gas cans. Uh, mm. um, uh, get buy, buy, just bulk up. You know prep yourself get yourself ready um buy guns by ammo get ready because once the zombies start marching once the free feeders start uh there's good the cops ain't coming cops are going home because they're gonna cover their shit they already cut there are las vegas metro's already cut back 120 just last week mm. the city's broke they can't afford to pay them fire department police department they're cutting back i just talked to a highway patrolman last saturday he said, man, I'm on a shoestring. I'm on a thin, I'm on a thin, I'm on a shoestring right here. I don't know if I'm gonna have a job next week. I said, you gotta freaking be kidding me. And he goes, and I said, you're statey. You're not city, you're not metro. You know, we got our own problem in the state too. We what we're seeing is we're seeing the entire state of Nevada economy implode. Without the casinos generating tax revenue, we cannot sustain it. It's unsustainable. It's a, it's a tailspin to destruction. 
and that's where we're headed. So as far as answering your question, I'm trying to get everybody aware of the fact, the harsh reality of what's coming at us. What's coming at us is, and I'm not trying to be a doomsdayer, but you know, if you don't have your shit together, you're not going to make it. Well, you know, Nevada in itself, the, the, the bread and butter behind the state years and years and years ago was mining, right? It was yeah. silver, gold. That's all dried up. That, that doesn't exist anymore. And, and the, the state really wouldn't have an economy if it wasn't for entertainment and the casino industry. There would be no, there would be no reason other than a few military bases and a uh, dam, you know, for the state right. to exist. You know, it basically exists to serve the rest of the country. And without Las Vegas, without Reno, the, the the city you know the, the state is virtually uh it, 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 it you're not really employable there's nothing for you to do i mean exactly there is no industry in clark county no. now the total of the state the entire state of nevada up in northern winnemucca we got mining up in elko we got ranching you get off up into the north into the state it's beautiful up there got some country up there but that's not going to sustain that Two million people here in Clark County, they're going to be starving to death. Yeah, there used to be mining all over the state. Uh, And there used to be, I mean, it it wasn't just regionalized. And and Beatty and out through Goldfield, all that minefields are gone. Yeah. And the mining that's going on right now, the gold mine now, is all corporate mine. They're corporate corporations. It's very Um, automated. Yeah, and it's all up in in northern northern Nevada. Did I tell you that there were... Uh, 390,000 people in Las Vegas, Nevada, that are unemployed. I want you to think about that. Yeah. Take a map and look at the map and look at it. Imagine 10% of the entire population of Las Vegas, Nevada is unemployed. Well, I think it's more than that now here in Las Vegas. Well, what do you do with the fact that so many people, and, and there's been headline after headline just very recently, and then when the stimulus started happening, you've got so many people who are now making more money on unemployment than they were when they were working. So how do you combat if that they can, mentality? If they can get their unemployment. You know how many people aren't even getting unemployment? Right. There's a lot of people, the employment checks ain't making it. Not Seriously. Yet. I've talked to a lot of people, dude, it. This is not just, and then they can't get through the, the lines. The computers are down. The phones are busy. Then it's the same thing. And the bills need paying. The kid needs food. <clears throat> you know what I mean? The desperation level here is getting rampant. It's getting increasing daily. You can feel it in the air. Yeah, and it'll be exponential because people who can't provide for themselves, people who can't put food on the table get desperate. And then you you exasperate that with what you just said about law enforcement being laid off and the the i mean just just when the just when the lockdowns were first starting to happen in the in the houston area and then even you know in in some major metros police officers you know the the word got to 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 quentin and i that you know they were just saying stand down unless someone's being murdered you know don't bother anybody unless they're being murdered right no you're right and and they, they they will they'll go home you know, they, they got wives, they got kids, they got their own issues. Last thing yeah. they want to do is do with, you know what I mean? 20, 30. I can, I can attest to that. I mean, most, most of your cops, look, they're good people, but uh, their priorities to their family. The whole reason they work that job is to pay bills. It's to raise kids and, and the, their priority is their family safety. So if there is mass social unrest, 
you can expect that a majority of your police officers, uh, you know, will not be coming into work. They're going to, they're going to prioritize their family safety. They might band together actually to even protect their families, but they probably will ignore a, a large portion of the city. That's from my own personal experience. You know, if somebody says I'm wrong or what, you, that's fine. That's your opinion. And this is yeah, but that's a terrifying thought regardless. Yeah. It in is LA, yeah. in LA County. The, in LA County, they got a town called Acton, Aquadulce. It's called Cop Town. All the ranches, all the houses are owned by LA County sheriffs, California High Patrol, parole, Department of, of uh, Corrections. The whole town, the whole little burg, is nothing but Cop Town. They did that intentionally to get out of the city. Yeah, you have to look at a map. Acton, Aquadulce. Look it up. And it's cop town. All the cops, highway patrol, Los Angeles County Sheriff. I mean, on and on and on, parole, probation. All law enforcement is buying up there like, it's cop town. You go to the bar, it's cop town. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what's going on. Not exactly what's going on here. That's, there are sections of the city that are loaned, the houses are pretty much predominantly law enforcement communities, you know, out towards Summerlin area. So that, but no, that, they're going to split. That brings up kind of what I was alluding to. Crazy, that brings up what I was alluding to earlier with, you know, do, do you foresee these governments and, and these local entities starting to break apart and create their own little, uh, their own little micro economies, their own little micro law enforcements where it just falls apart. Like worst case scenario, we start ending up with these regional governors where we have California and Washington and, and Nevada. Now. Right. So we don't have this United States of America. We have a divided States of America where these three red States are together and they're against these three blue States and, and this inner turmoil that's happening. I mean, that that's like worst case scenario, 10, 20 years down the line or, or, or not. Right, like, how do you how do you see that playing out? I, I if if Donald Trump should not get elected this election cycle, and per chance that the Democrats do take control, you're going to see civil war in six months. Mm. Yep. Donald so, Trump Donald Trump's going to get reelected. Praise God. I actually. I actually, I actually, not so sure that Sal's uh, scenario is the worst case scenario uh, because I, I, this is something that I, I've, I've toyed with. Me and Sal have gone into it just very briefly, but uh, this theory of anarcho tyranny, right, where the government can maintain control over the military and some major assets, but they can't maintain control over local governance and and uh, uh, local civil discourse, right? So that that falls to local government, maybe. Or what you could see, which I think would be the absolute worst case scenario, is that there isn't really much of local government. So government ends up outsourcing that control and governance to criminal warlords. You see this, it's already occurred south of our border. Mexico has the federales, they have the military, they can maintain control of those entities. And then they have the cartels. Yeah, the federal government maintains very little control over local governance. They outsource that to warlords in the form of the cartel. Yep. And what I'm really scared of seeing here is the Mexican model of governance. And I think it could be coming. And, and that would be, that would be worse than any, you know, I'm not for the police state and martial law and all of that, obviously, unless we absolutely have to do that. But that's not the worst case scenario, martial law and actual tyranny. What's worse is having total anarchy and having to worry about, you know, your kids or your loved one being strung up from a bridge and tortured. 
that's that's an absolute hellscape, and we see that every day. Uh, you know, south of yeah, our border. That's, that's a harsh reality down south. That's, so that, that's actually my fear. And uh, do you think that, that could become a reality here in the United States? Something like that, anarcho tyranny. I don't see it escalate to that point. Uh, like I say, um, Donald Trump's going to get reelected, and I believe that he's going to uh, take the gloves off. I believe he's going to declare martial law and bring some law and order back to America. And I believe that. I believe that he he's been chosen to to bring to bring this scourge to an end. I mean, I I can't imagine what going through Barack Obama's mind tonight, knowing that Barr and and Durham have got the paperwork that uh, getting her to get 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 getting her get the the DNI guy. I can't think of his name right now. That what he had in that in, that uh, briefcase last Thursday. I mean, you know, there and Hillary and all the cabal, all of them. You know, I can only imagine what's going through their minds right now. It, you know, this is, it's coming to an end. That's why I say, I think there's going to be a retaliatory, a retaliatory strike. There's going to be, a, a, an injured animal is dangerous. You know, I used to I hunt, you know, once, once man hunts man, no other game will suffice. Yeah, I've been hunting men for 15 years. I understand the, I understand the mentality. You get a man cornered and he's a dangerous son of a bitch. He'll do anything and everything he can. Now think about it. You know, and that's what I do. I hunt men. That's what I do. And I've been doing it for a long time. And I understand the nature of the beast. These guys are getting their asses, they're getting their asses handed to them, and it's coming at them hard. And they know that they know the noose is tightening. They know it's coming. And there ain't nothing they can do. I say, gotta fight back. That's what brought about the, the Corona V, the C V nineteen. That was set up by the Democratic Party here in the United States of America, our own enemy with inside our own country. And that's okay. I don't have any verification of that, but that's, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. Mm-hmm. Come on. You know what I mean? You know, I can see the I can see the forest for the trees. You know, they didn't get their impeachment. Oh, you know, the, the, the Stormy Daniels didn't pull it. Ukraine didn't do it. Uh, Russia, Russia, Russia didn't do it. What are they going to do now? The election is six months away. You know, now they're going to grasp it at straws. See what I'm saying? already been. <laughs> you see what I'm saying, Sal? Yeah. What do you want people to get away from this? Uh, what is their call to action? What do you want people to start getting prepared for? Those who are not three percenters, those who aren't a part of an organization like the Minutemen, people who are listening to the show who are maybe passively following the news, what do you want people to do to start Wait, getting uh, ready? Well, yeah, right. But how do you, how, where do you lead them to? Uh, first, read your Bible. Get mm. the good Lord in your soul. Get, get back to God. Find God before he finds you. All right? You got to find God before he finds you. That's a start. A lot of this problem we have in our country now is people walked away from religion. Right? They, they're turning their back on the Lord. You got to get back. You got to get back in the light. All right. Second thing I'd say, you start your family is paramount. You got to think about your family, your mom, your dad, your sons, your daughters, your cousins, your sisters, your brothers, and become a collective. Think about their preservation, their, their solidity. And you got to think about yourself. You got to think about being able, are you going to be able to know in your heart, are you going to be able to make six months without going to a grocery store? Can you do that? See what I'm saying? 
can you go six months without having to go to a store? Yeah. A lot of people can't go a week, a, a day without having to go to the grocery store. A lot of people, people in this town realize, paycheck to paycheck. Right. A lot of people don't even realize that it takes 72 hours, nine missed meals for a city yeah. to just absolutely collapse. Yep. For the infrastructure to collapse. Yep. Robert, exactly. if you had a if you had a billboard with an unlimited budget to put whatever you wanted on that billboard, what would you put on there right now for for people to read as they're passing by? John three sixteen. Mm. John three sixteen. Then hashtag K A G twenty twenty. <laughs> that's what i put up there john 316 kag 2020 hashtag keep america great 2020 but most importantly john 316 you know i'm pretty religious when it comes right down to it sure. you don't make you don't go through the shit i've gone through in my life right and the things i've done in my life without believing in god but I ain't here on my volition. I'm here on God's good graces. Mm. I can tell you stories of shit that's gone on me down the border I can't even talk about. You know what I mean? And it's because of the grace of the good, sweet, my, the love of my sweet baby Jesus that I'm even here today. Right. So I have to, I have to give, you know, where, where it's due. God, God, it's, God, God's keeping me. God's made me, you know, I'm 70 years old. You know that? You don't look a day. I feel it. No, I don't. I, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. I feel like there's a there's a purpose in life for me still. It's not over yet. You definitely have a passion. You you can hear it in your voice. You can see it that there is a passion for what you're doing. And you know wh what? Where would you send people to to find more information about what you're doing? Um, go to my website www.mountainminutemen.com www.mountainminutemen.com and what i'm going to do is i'm going to go ahead and start uh upgrading up, up i've been i've been kind of lagging on it because i've been so damn busy with all this political shit mm. I'm, I'm the commissioner with the republican party here in clark county so i understand the, the navigate i can navigate through the political scene here in, in the state of nevada with with ease because you know i'm in the republican party i'm you know i'm a commissioner here so i understand that but as far as getting getting the word out to people, I would say, let's start with get them to my website, and I'll just, I'll go into my website and I'll start rebuilding it. Yeah, I'll start I'll start making. Well, that's one of the reasons why I put the pictures up of baked bread and showing the pictures of my garden and showing because I want people to realize that the message I was sending out through Facebook was it's time to start learning how to cook. Learning how to grow your shit, how to how to how to start being self-survive. You know, even in a little, you know, we got a small area to, to grow. I got plant. I got I got tomatoes. I got you know. I got food going. You know, food I can sustain myself on. You know, and as far as the baking thing, I never even fathomed ever learning how to cook like that. I got a I got a wife, right? But who's gonna take care of her, me if if something happens to her? See what I'm saying? We right. have to be able to take, we have to be able to interact with each other. Something she gets sick, I can make. If we can't go to the store and buy a loaf of bread, which is extremely possible, should be nice to know that I can make my own bread. Yep. You know what I'm so I think that's the message I'd like to get across to your listeners and 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 the audience you have. Uh, it's time to start thinking about sustainability 
about perpetuating your own your own life, get close to your families, get close to God. Um, vote Republican. Get, get away. If you're a Democrat and you're listening to this program, turn walk away. Run. Run away. Run away. Just the Democrats are demons. They're gonna try, they're trying to kill us, they're trying to destroy us. I believe in my heart of hearts that uh, the demons have, have gone across the, the pond over to Chinatown in Chinaville, and they procured that, uh, the, made a deal with the devil over there in Chicom industry, and they released this virus on us intentionally. I believe this is a Chicom first strike, and I believe in, in, inevitably we're going to end up going to war with China. I believe that. I believe that. Whether it be a hot war or a cold war, one of the two. I believe we're we're, we're this far away from it. Hmm. I believe that. And, and you know, with our economy down trillions of dollars in debt, what's the best way to get out of debt? Go to war. Go to war. What a better target happened. No, they attacked us first. It was a first strike. It was. It was a first strike. I mean, I don't have any proof, but I'm not like say we're again. I can read the writing on the wall. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, how come, how come old Nancy Pelosi's trying to put a $5 billion together deal together or, or Diane Feinstein's $5 billion deal, deal together for Iran? And, and, and Pelosi's trying to send a budget to, to, uh, to increase the budget for China. And on top of that, we got, uh, what's that other Nimrod? Uh, Graham. He wants to put, uh, he wants to increase the budget for the, the WHO had put Bill Gates in charge of it. Yeah. Now, come on. You talk about deep staters. Those guys showing their hand. You play poker? Wait, Lindsey Lindsey Graham wants to do that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It didn't surprise Graham. me a whole lot. I, I just, I hadn't heard that, but that, that is. Lindsey Graham wants to put, increase the donations to the WHO and put Bill Gates in charge of it. Do you play poker? That's yeah. a tell. That's what you call it, a yeah. tell. I mean, you know, this tells everybody exactly where he's at and who he is. I never yeah. trust the prick anyhow. He's got a nickname here is Lindsey Gramnesty. Gramnesty, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what we call him in Texas. That's him. That's him. That's him. That's him. Robert no, there's so many politicians. Look at Romney. Look at look at the, the Mormon mafia. And look at what's going on up that part of the world. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's sad. It's sad. And it's, inherent, it's inherently contagious to the rest of the weak people. They follow this. You got sheep. They, they follow this. They're, they're sheep. You know, your leaders. Okay, here, here's here are my scenarios. There's people that make things happen. People that watch things happen. Then people that wonder what the fuck happened. <laughs> Pardon my language. <laughs> but I see that. That's exactly how it is. There's people that make things happen. People watch things happen. Then people wonder what the hell happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's exactly what's going on in America right now. You got people out there moving and shaking and making things happen. I personally right now are trying to organize, trying to put people together, get people focused on survival and survivability. Then you got people out there that are standing with their masks on in line with their shopping cart waiting to go into a Costco, right? These are these okay, these masks to me <coughs> are emblems of submission. That's hmm. what they're saying. When they got their mask on, they're saying, I submit. Okay, even the Surgeon General said the mask do no good. The Surgeon General of the United States of America said the mask do no good. So they could buy them I all up. They were forced to wear a mask. <laughs> they were, 
When? Because it's submission. You will submit. Wear your mask. Wear your gloves. You know what? You can take that mask. Don't, I, I don't. I got to keep it clean. No. <laughs> Fold it up and put it in places where. <laughs> Robert, do you have any upcoming uh, events that you want to tell the audience about that they can get involved in? Uh, it looks like the 4th of July weekend, there's going to be another roll up into San, uh, Carson City. I guess that's developing rapidly. That's 4th of July. But, you know, I, I can't, there's no real, it's not set in stone because things are happening so rapidly around us right now. Right. Um, this weekend, of course, there's more protests in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I do have some um, Saturday and Sunday. I have, uh, um, I have some uh, uh, appointments I have to deal with where we're, 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 call, we're calling them meet and greets. Hmm. I've got some people coming from all over different parts of the city. They're like-minded. And what we're going to try and what we're trying to do, what we are doing is creating a, uh, a cohesive inner, inner reaction. Okay. I have a, uh, a repeater on the mountain over here uh, through a, a two meter system where I can, Establish calm communications across the entire valley, and that's exactly what I'm trying to promote. Right, I'm trying to put together. I'm trying to establish a communication link between the different. See, it's like here in town, we have different wings. You know, there's a little wing of groups over here, a little wing of guys over here. You know, seven, eight, nine, ten guys, little crews over here. They're shooting. They're they're gun clubbers, or they're they're survivalists, or they're preppers, or they're you know they're little cliques. You know what I mean? What I'm trying to do is I'm reaching out to all these wings. And here's my line. I said, all these little wings come together and you become a bird. You know what I mean? We're collectively, one, word, one, one voice is not it. But when you got 100 voices, you know, people listen. And that's exactly what happened in Carson City last weekend, the weekend before last. It was 500 of them out there. 500, 500 wow. in the street in front of the mansion. And it was peaceful. That's the message. And when he when he comes out the following week, he says he was concerned about his safety. He was worried about his wife. He's a lying sack of shit. He was. Then he lied. He said we banged on his door and we threatened his dogs. That never happened. Mm. That's panic. When people when grown men act like that and they say that's panic. That's a direct Freudian. You know that's a, a what do you call it subliminal. I'm trying to think of the word for it. Somebody. You know, prevaricates to that extent, that's, that's fear. Fear causes that reaction. And that's what happened. But yeah, we, uh, what's going on here right now is just, you know, the rallies, the rallies this weekend again. Um, I'm kind of throwing my glove, my, my, pulling my, pulling the plug on the rallies for a while. I think that, uh, I don't think the rallies are going to, are doing what we need to do. You know, I'm thinking, uh, <coughs> I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure, but it does seem like we're, you know, they're they're not paying attention to the rallies. The rallies aren't aren't they're not listening. They're not listening. They way they like say we had an effect like a couple of weeks ago up there at the mansion that that had, a, that had a pretty astounding, you know, pretty solid effect. But I don't see the I don't see this continual rally thing. We went to Grant Sawyer's last week, and for example, they closed the gate. It's no big deal. So we rally in the middle of the street. Oh, right, great deal. Drive them down the street. The highway patrols there. The capital police are there. They're waving, waving. Then we had a rally down in front of Goodman's office, City Hall, downtown Las Vegas, 
And, you know, there was 150, 200 people I was there. But, uh, you know, it was more of a p political sign, sign here, sign recall papers and a lot of, of political grandstanding for these candidates. You know, it wasn't really what, you know, I was looking forward to go to. So I don't think I'll be going to very many of them right now. I think I was there focusing on other angles of attack. I think it's smarter. Fair enough. Answer your question. Robert, we want to thank you so much for spending this time with us. We know you got a lot going on and uh, we want to send you on your way with blessings and we will be following the Mountain Minutemen. And if, God bless uh, you guys. God you. bless you guys. Uh, you know, Texas has got some issues too, to go through there fast, man. God bless you, Quentin. Thanks for getting a hold of me.